So welcome to Unsigned 518. I am here with Rouge. We have Harvey VD. Hey, guys. And Johnny Come Lately. Greetings. Um, so I came across you guys. It was, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'm, you know, I'm always an honest dude. Like, I'll admit I wasn't familiar with the band, but I had seen a post that there was you were feeling some negative shit was happening, and you were kind of like, I don't know if defeated is the right word or, you know, but I got, I got the impression that, you know, you guys were like bummed out about something. And I was like, hey, you know, like, don't let a couple of like shitheads get you down. Like, come come on the show and let's uh, let's. And that's literally how we came to right here as far as our relationship goes. So. Yeah. And so uh, I'm the one who runs the band account on Instagram, which that's a completely different topic for another time. But the thing was. When we posted that, it was near the end of the year, and I personally kind of tend to get very retrospective about what has happened in the year, and not for nothing, it was kind of a rough year, for lack of a better term, with us. Like, yes, a lot of good things did happen. We did our annual punk prom that we do at the Avon Lounge. We started working on a movie. We played some good shows with a lot of good friends, but also for, like, every good thing that happened, it felt like there were five other bad things that were happening that just sort of pushed us back a little bit further. Like, I don't really talk about this much but the big thing was you know john had been going through a divorce earlier that year and so that was like a rough transition period for him for us trying to like get the album out was a little bit of a struggle just because of the fact that you know we're all busy adults we have a lot of things going on and our now lead guitarist james was letting us record the album in his garage and then he went through a breakup and then he had to move all his shit out and then I was also in a relationship earlier that year. And then she broke up with me because she came to one of our shows and she said, I kid you not, I just can't be with someone who's art I don't really respect. And Are you fucking kidding me? No. And, and Isn't that, that's like uh, a Seinfeld episode. Like legit. You're a cashier. A yeah. Like that's legit. And, wow. And dude. here's the thing. Like, so... If you look, go and listen to that album, Go Off, I Guess, which is available on awfulhouse.bandcamp.com, but for the most part, those songs are jokes. We started doing this because I was listening to a lot of Bloodhound Gang at the time, and it was just sort of like, okay, so clearly Jimmy Pop is really skilled as a musician, as a producer. He's covering a lot of genres of music, but no one's thinking about that because, you know, like, The Bad Touch is just a bunch of sexual, right, right, you know, right, I know, right, and right. all that, but like... When we started doing that, I, we thought it was pretty clear that we were writing joke songs. Like, we've got a song we really like called Shake That Ass, and a lot of people like that song. We're not going for high poetry on that. <laughs> right, right. But that was, again, this person that I was with, she was just like, oh, I, I think you're being super serious about this, and I don't get why you'd choose to write this stuff that's so beneath you. I'm like, again, it's a fucking joke. <laughs> and so that also translated into certain venue promoters were refusing to book us because of the fact that they were like listening to this stuff and they thought we were being serious they were like i just don't get your vibe like you guys are so much better than this why are you writing songs like this you're scaring people away and it's like do do, do i have to make it clear that these are jokes right and i think people should you know and again i haven't let i've listened to some of the stuff that's on Bandcamp. i listened as i was because this room was a, a hot mess earlier and i had to clean it's still a mess but it was even worse a little it while used to ago. be a mess but it is too <laughs> but it is now but you can sit on the couch now um but so i was listening to it while i was like cleaning this room up um but i think and i've always thought that if somebody wants to like 
people that do what they want to do and don't necessarily, not even necessarily that do not adhere to what the standard of what is or what is not, not necessarily music, but uh, acceptable content or whatever. Like I've always appreciated that they're like avant-garde, like above the, I don't know. Like, I think I appreciate that you're doing what you want to do, even though people are being like, you can't do that. But that's also one of the problems in so many words. And to go back to that post, like, especially in Albany in general, there really isn't as much as there could be. And it's, it sucks because I think Albany is a really fascinating city that has the potential to do something very interesting outside of just being the capital city. Sure. But it feels like every time that we've gone to a show, for example, you know, we're kind of just getting ignored by other people or, you know, people just won't book us because, you know, oh, you guys are playing the doofy joke songs. And that's fine if it's just like a venue here or there. But also a lot of things in Albany are closing down. Like, right. Well, yeah, the situation with Polly's um, is was interesting because the first time we played there, I noticed it was kind of it's a distance away from the student housing around the college of St. Rose. So it's not convenient to walk to it's away from Lark street. And it's, it's actually close. It's closer to a neighborhood that certainly a lot of suburban types would feel a little nervous. And I never felt nervous around there. I felt perfectly uh, fine. Yeah. And so it, it's not the best location, unfortunately, um, and for that neighborhood. But then you're also looking at places like Caesar's Palace, may that place rest in peace. I thought that was like a really cool thing because not for nothing, before he, John and I started Rouge, I was playing in different bands where like that was our whole thing was that we were playing in these like little dingy ass basements. Yeah, and I mean, and I've heard of Caesar Palace and I'm, that's like an underground. It used to be a DIY venue that was like in that section of Albany, but Again, they closed down in part because of the fact that like cops kept coming to shut right, the shows right. down. And I this is another thing. So I I live in the Hudson Valley, like in like the main part of it, like Saudis and Kingston and all that. And you get like all these upstate touristy types who come to up from the city and they claim, you know, oh we love we love the arts here and then they pretty much do anything to shut right, down anything right. that isn't, you know, commercial art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if you're gonna like the arts, you have to like shit that doesn't fit into a normal thing, because otherwise it's just I don't know, it's boring, I guess. Like, yeah, like I, I don't know if you, do you know um, Turf and Turf? No. So um, his name is Snail, and his the thing is he's built a, a noise machine. So he's got like this. I mean, it's fucking big. It's like you know probably eight feet across six seven feet tall and it's got like cymbals and saw blades and the whole floor is a big old fucking stomp box Hmm. and it's like a noise and he plays like like almost like southern bluesy experimental noise shit and like the cymbals he punches them and like that's cool and the first time i saw him like there was a definitely people that were like turned off by it you know that were like what is going on and i had the biggest smile on my face because i'm like this is somebody that's like this is what i'm doing and i don't fucking care if if you don't get it but if you do get it it's just such a (sighs) and you can't say you like arts without having that yeah, I mean, like feeling one of know? the uh, one of the more local bands that John and I both really like is a band called Black Mesa, 
and they're like yeah they're kind of doing heavier punk rock and roll what would you call john uh it's it's almost like noise metal and it's deliberately abrasive and very confrontational um vocalist nay cervoni he doesn't sing the lyrics through a microphone so much as he literally screams them through a megaphone wow and that is that's a big part of I like that. what yeah it's a big part yeah. of what they do that's part of their aesthetic it's confrontational it's in your face and they're and he's screaming these transgressive lyrics at you they have song titles like let me see your kidneys um i will end your life if i ever see you again and and it's the same thing to me cuz like it doesn't shit like that like people always equate like someone's not like again like a separate the art and the artist but whatever but you know like like horror movies i love horror movies oh, and yeah. i love like you know splattery gross horror movies. it doesn't mean like i'm a like you know violent yeah. human being but that's the that's an art form that i appreciate i appreciate the mm-hmm. uh the makeup of it and the yeah and the same with like a horror metal yeah. or a dark you know and like they just put out an album last month and i'm taking a look at now it's eight songs and give or take 15 minutes long They're like that's their first album like that kind of just gives you an idea of what kind of music they're making they're not making these like four minute radio friendly things and but I know those guys in real life, and they're all like really the coolest dudes. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. You right. know, the guy screaming at the megaphone, he's actually a really nice guy. He's very mild mannered and everything like that. It's just, it's, it's also a matter of an outlet. And, you know, Absolutely. one of the reasons, one of the reasons I'm cool with what we do in Rouge is I'm just enjoying myself. Right. I'm up there. Right. It's like, you know what? I've never done this before in my life. I want to be able, you know, when, when the time comes and I'm gone, it's like, you know, you look back at all the things you did. It's like, man, I, I played some live music in these different venues. I recorded a DIY album and you just keep listing all the different things you did. And you look, you can look back and like, you know what? I lived. Right. I did something with my time. And that's like how and I if, feel, man. And if people didn't like it, Oh, well. Right. And that's for you. And again, to be able to look back in 10 or 20 years from now to be able to be like, hey, you want to see something? You know, check Mm -hmm. out check out this stuff that I can just pull up that I did back in the day. And like um, like my the band that I'm in, like, you know, and I'm 50 and Mm -hmm. everybody in my band are in, in their 40s and none of us have ever been in a band. And it's kind of the same thing where we're just like, oh, well, like we're doing what we and, you know, we're like a. I don't know, garage band, poppy punk, like yeah. whatever. But uh, I, I all I want to do is be able to have stuff, you know, because I understand there are limitations to how long you can do this, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I think is important to say is, you know, like John's in his 50s. And so am I. Yeah. You're in your 50s and I'm 28. And I feel like when I'm playing shows, and I'm hanging out with all these people like I'm feeling pretty old myself because of the fact <laughs> It is a lot of college students. It is a lot of guys in their early 20s and everything. But then they're looking at guys like John and I, where I'm 28, he's in his 50s. And, you know, I don't know how to put this in a way that doesn't make it sound like I'm the most insufferable whiny man on the face (laughs) of the earth. So I'm just going to say, back when I was first starting doing things with bands and, like, making music and everything and, like, playing shows, it wasn't just about, you know, oh, my band's going to get big. We're going to play and see. We're going to get a record deal. It was like we were doing this because we were trying to, like, make connections and make friends and actually do stuff together and to an extent now we have that like for example we know each other through a mutual connection in the sugar hold first of all love those guys uh mikey matt everybody else dan john if you guys are listening uh how y'all doing 
Yeah, but it feels like now especially, and it's not something that I've just noticed by myself, but you talk to other people and they've noticed that a lot of bands are no longer trying to do that like community thing. It's strictly focusing on number one, which it, it sucks that that's happened because I think that if the Hudson Valley really wants to be as cool as they're advertising it to tourists, then, you know, like get some unconventional bands, get guys in like prog metal bands where they might not be accepted. Otherwise, you know, get the noise bands together. Like it, it's just a shame that it feels like it's coming back to this thing where if you're not playing danceable music for three or four hours a night, then, you know, you're not getting much luck anywhere. And like, I like the like uh, multi-genre bills. And oh, I yeah. think so many more of those would just be amazing because if people are coming out to see one band and then there's two, at least like two other bands that are like a completely different style, like, and they get to hang out with it, you know, because like you were saying, community, that's the whole reason I like doing this is because yeah. you get to meet people and it's awesome. Like, I mean, every year we put together this event called Punk Prom and I started doing this in 2020 and at the time, it's a long story, we can get into it later, but at the time I was just trying to get a bunch of my friends together and then as it's gone on, it's like, okay, yeah, we have a lot of punk bands, but like, let's get some noise, let's get some acoustic stuff, let's get something that might not be considered punk in a conventional yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah. And but I mean, that's the best thing about punk is that punk can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. Punk is, like, mind, you know punk is I mean? a mindset. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's unfortunate to an extent, though, because of the fact that I feel like I have to stick with, like, you know, quote unquote conventional punk in order to get people coming through the doors. Meanwhile, the bands that got most reaction last year, or at least from what I observed, was a, was a fucking ska band, Orama. Yeah. Like, yeah, we've had other, we've been with other shows where we had like a band that was just a trio doing instrumental music and they were doing a little bit of instrumental funk and they did, it did a really good right. reaction. And like people, people usually like people like uh, the scene people or whatever are, are the accepting ones that are like cool with seeing a band that's outside of their normal scope. Oh, yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Cause I know like I, even as a, you know, a 50 year old dude, like so there's a lot of the times when I'm going to see shit that I may not fully understand, you know, yeah. because it's being made by younger people. But I'm like, I appreciate the shit out of it. Like this is, you know, and uh, not to sound too negative, I guess, but like you can always tell who's in it for the music and for the love and the community. And you can always tell right. who's doing it just because they think it's going to make a good Instagram photo later. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no offense towards Instagram. You know, we, we love our content. We do love content. <laughs> In fact, here's some content of nothing. Perfect. Thank you for your time. <laughs> so um, do we want to put on a tune now? Uh, yeah. So this first song is a song called Somebody's Problem. And this is this is like one of my favorite songs because of the fact that it came together organically in John's, like the little man cave that we were practicing in before he got divorced. Yeah, that was one of the things when I when I got divorced about a year ago is we lost our rehearsal space. Oh. It was it was uh, above a detached garage. The only problem is this time of year, even with space heaters going, it was still maybe... 25 degrees oh. in there yeah we would we would watch, yeah. we would watch hockey games on the tv and felt like we were at the rink like hey how's it going yeah. but so i've said this before and i think we've both talked about this before so we never really put out any proper singles from the album because we were just like we were constantly putting out live bootlegs we had just put out live 2023 a couple months prior so 
we said, you know, we aren't going to be putting out a single for this album, but if we were to put out a single, this would have been the first one. This is somebody's problem, and it's one of my favorites. And one of mine, too. It's a great one to play. Uh, We hope you guys like this. All right, cool. So let's listen to Somebody's Problem by Rouge, and we'll be right back.
right. So that was somebody's problem, uh, Rouge. And, you know, you were saying uh, before we heard the song, like how the song came together. Is there like a story behind that? I would say that it's definitely an interesting story, at least for us, because for a long time, I was so used to being in bands where like I was the one just strictly writing the songs and doing all the presentation. I was the one quarterbacking. But like that was not the first song, but it was like kind of in that little group of songs where i realized like we can do this collaboratively and it takes a little bit of pressure off of me and it you want to tell a little bit more yeah time? well what happened was we were we were up in our old rehearsal space and uh we were trying to mess around with we're an american band by grand funk railroad sure. which we actually covered once and then all of a sudden he's banging on the drums and he starts doing like their ver their cover of the locomotion so really quick i get on the phone to look up the chords for the locomotion and I started playing those chords and all of a sudden then he's getting into a different drum beat and he starts singing some words and this was like the second time that something like this had happened and then we just gradually um, worked it out to because the basic chord structure comes from the locomotion Grand <laughs> Funk's cover of it um, with a little bit of a breakdown lifted from uh, "Come On, Feel the Noise," Oasis's cover. I, I, not to cut you off there, but I do think one of the interesting things about that song in particular is that, like, unless you're strictly listening for those parts, you probably wouldn't even recognize that in the first place. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, so then it came together that way, and then I came up with the single note riff that opens the song, and it's all at, and I just did the simplest thing possible. What are the root notes of the chords? So that's all it is, and it's segued in nicely. And we played that at Caesar's Palace, I think, what, after rehearsing it two or three times? Yeah, and that song is kind of interesting because before then, we were pretty much just playing straightforward punk songs with the exception of Shake That Ass, which kind of leans a little bit more on like the uh, the stoner metal side of our what we're into. And the thing is, I don't really talk about much, but like, all due respect to all the punk bands and the metal bands and everything we've played with, but like deep down, I'm a sucker for a good hook. And when I was writing the lyrics and trying to come up with a melody for that, I was thinking of 90s one-hit wonder Jimmy Ray, who, unless you're, like, you're really digging around, you probably don't know who the hell that I is. I don't even know who that is. But he's kind of one of my favorite one-hit wonder artists, and we ended up recording that song. And then, because I know him on Facebook, I sent him a recording of the demo we did at the time, and he actually said, you know, oh, I wish you guys were around in the 90s. I could have used some guys like you as our songwriters. And, like, that gave me some motivation to keep going forward with what we were doing. Nice. And, again, it's it's unlike anything else on the album because of the fact that it's got some melody, it's got some hook. It's not just trying to be noise. And it's also a, a true collaboration. I mean, the lyrics are his, the, mel the, vo the melody, the musical melody is, is from me, and which is really... Which is really satisfying. And we, you know, again, it is a true collaboration. And especially considering we have that part where it does the oi, you know, and that's also like an audience participation bit as well. See who gets into that. And like the people who have been to our shows before know about that song. They always get into it. And then after a few times, people are like, oh, OK. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, then, we, then, you, then you throw a curveball at him and say, what? Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just it, it's it's cool because then you can just keep it fresh every time and that's that's one of the great things is we're not sticklers for perfection we, we do have some room to where if i want to just throw in a little something i can try it um you know and it's nothing I'm, I'm not saying i'm a jazz guy i am nowhere near close to being a jazz guitarist <laughs> right. but 
just to keep it fresh and spontaneous every time. And if it doesn't work, well, yeah, forget it. And, you know, have that uh, squirrel brain. I think it is. As uh, Ted Lasso would say, just get out of there and move on. Yeah. And not for nothing. One of the bands that we both really connected on that we both really like and has influenced a lot of our writing these days is the replacements. And, you know, like that that sort of uh, sloppy mentality after a while. It's like, okay, would Paul Westerberg and Tommy Stinson have done this? Yeah. okay, we're fine. I mean, I based my entire like live performance, not necessarily on replacements, but like I'm sloppy as fuck when I play live. (laughs) And it's entertain. It's entertaining. You know what I mean? And that's why I'm like. Right. Why you know, you know that actually goes like, going back though to what you were saying before. I do think that there's this expectation and you know, I certainly had it. You know, the insecurity of like if you're not perfect. Right. Yeah. You know, or if the musicians I don't have, t- on I don't have stage, time to be perfect is my, my if mentality. If they're not like perfectly know? proficient, people are going to look down on you. No, I'm just putting but, on a good show, man. And I come yeah. from like the early 90s when like right. if you were really good at your instrument and like doing tight melodies, people would be like, "Hey, go be like in pop radio." You know, we yeah. want like you know, you want something that's real. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, and come to think of it, speaking of imperfections, one of our first ever shows we played in front of like an actual crowd that wasn't just an open mic, we're playing a song and the drumstick goes flying out of my hand on a fill and I realize what's happened and I only have a split second to make that decision. So I just start smashing the cymbal with my hand and trying to keep it going. And at the time I'm thinking like, oh shit, what did I just do? But then I hear people in the back and they're like, I yeah! love it. Yeah, And totally. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw him do- and I was right there next to him. I saw him do it and and you just you just keep going adapt and overcome you know (laughs) yeah and and that was one of the actually best things that could have happened oddly enough on that night because that that accident and that quick adaptation makes it memorable absolutely let's also not forget like the very very early shows and if you know you know but back in the day we actually used to have this joke where this is going to be a not safe for work bit so i apologize in advance but like I used to have like this fucking massive dildo and I'd throw it into the audience (laughs) and I'd yell at people, get your dicks out for Rouge. And so we only ever did that for a couple of shows, but you can always tell who was at those early shows because afterwards they'll come up to us lately and go, I was expecting the dildo, but it never came. What happened? (laughs) I was very disappointed in the lack of dildo. And then like at one point we started printing up photos of Richard Nixon and we're like, here, get your dicks out for Rouge. (laughs) And for a while we like really leaned heavily into the Richard Nixon thing, which is funny because like, Politically, we don't really agree with anything that guy said, but it just seemed funny to just bring him up. It, it's also because in uh, nineteen in the there was an opposition, obviously to Nixon, especially in seventy two. They actually literally had buttons that said "lick dick" in seventy two. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen I've seen those on Reddit. Nixon yeah. Nixon would probably look at us and think we're a bunch of fucking hippies, but you know, <laughs> yeah. we'd be on the enemies list. Um, so. We should hear another song. Uh, what do you What do you have in the in the chamber for us? Okay, so this next song, I, I for a long time I didn't talk about this one. At least like the reason behind it, but this song is another song off of our first album, which I'd like to actually point out is going to be coming out on cassette at some point sooner rather than later. It's going to have the album on the A side, and it's going to have all the demos that we recorded on the B side. But when we recorded this song, when I wrote this song. John was still going through his divorce, and he, he it wasn't official yet, but like he, I could feel the uh, the vibes, so I just wrote a lot of lyrics about how he was probably feeling going through it, and I didn't tell him about it until after we'd started playing that song a couple times, and you know, then he's like, oh, suddenly it all makes a lot more sense, but uh, this song is called Foxtrot India Tango, 
or F it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's listen to F it, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up with Rouge. Thank you for your time. So, uh, Harvey BD, Johnny Come Lately, I want to thank you both so much for making the trek out to uh, what is dubbed the Dazzled Den. Um, thank you be- for having us. And before we yes. go, like I do with all my guests, I just want to give you a chance to say what I call your gratitude. So, Harvey? All right. Uh, well, first of all, before I can get too deep into anything, I, I'd like to thank my uh, my friend Wyatt, who produced the album with us. It's going to be coming out later this summer on our startup little indie label called Punk Over Profit Music, or Pop Music for short. Uh, I'd like to thank the guys in the Sugar Hold who have really been good friends of mine and are constantly like trying to push us in the right direction to do shit. Uh, 
shout out my homies in the three skins, uh, the guys in Leave It Behind, love the guys in Orama, and there's probably more I'm thinking of that, or that I'm not thinking of, rather, so if I missed your name, I'm sorry, I really fucked it up right there. Uh, here, I'll fill in some of the gaps. We'd, we'd like to also thank the guys in Interference. Um, we've actually had them playing with us on several occasions. Um, shout out James, Bob, and Braden, and Alan. Yes, shout out to you guys. Um, wonderful group of guys. Uh, same thing with uh, Leave It Behind. Do love them. Um, also, Dark Hippie. Love um, Dark Hippie. Yep, yeah, we love Dark, love Dark Hippie. Dan, you're, you're an awesome guy. Um, I also would like to thank... Um, my new girlfriend Leslie, um, I love you. You're you're absolutely amazing. You, she actually came out to our shows and wasn't offended. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's a well, that's we a can't good sign. all have that advantage in life, Mister Man. I'm I'm fortunate. Um, and like to thank you know just my kids, uh, Tessa and Sebastian. I do love you guys. Um, and thank you, Tessa, for coming and letting us play for you and your friends that one time up in the up in that room. I'd also like to give a quick shout out to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, Forge FC, the Albany Firewolves, the Tri-City Valley Cats, uh, Hartford Athletic when they can finally win a couple games. Uh, really just a lot of teams, sports teams really help push us to do this thing, funny enough. And actually, one last one, though, for uh, for my, work, my regular workplace, Columbia Green Community College down in Hudson. Uh, for letting me teach history of rock music class because literally everything and why we're here today can actually stem back to that opportunity to teach that class. Oh, yes. Nice. All right. So, Harvey BD, Johnny Come Lately, collectively known as Rouge, and Andy Scullin. This is Unsigned 518, and I'll see you on the road. Kick out the Rouge, motherfuckers. Unsigned 518 is produced and hosted by me, Andy Scullin. New episodes are available every week wherever you stream podcasts. If you'd like to help support the show, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. Or you could buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash unsigned518. If you would like to advertise on the show, send me an email at unsigned518 at gmail.com. And to be a guest on the show, reach out to me through Instagram at unsigned518. Take care of one another, and I'll see you next week.